Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. We're talking about His name. This is actually part three in a series we began a few weeks ago. We're in the midst of a series where we're addressing the names that reference Jesus Christ as our Savior from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it's important to understand that we identify ourselves and others by a name. A name is associated with a reputation and with character. The names of God and the names of Jesus are significant. And as you study the scriptures, you can find many references to the Hebrew names that reveal who Jesus is. Uh, one is Jehovah Shammah, which simply means God who is ever-present. Another one is Jehovah Shalom. And that Hebrew name is the Lord who is our peace. There's a number of others, and, and I won't take time to share them all, but the scripture references names that reveal God's character and help us identify with what he does and what he's willing to do in our life. And so there are many names given to God which describe his attributes, his characteristics, and his very nature. What we call him is often insignificant or uh, just not befitting to describe all he is. So that's why there's many names that reveal the God that we serve. Because he's, in one way, we can say he's indescribable. But yet we can certainly make an attempt to describe him, right? Christmas is a time that we can communicate to the world who Jesus is. Understanding that his name helps to relate to who he is and what he has done for us and what he's become in our lives, in our personal encounter with him. And my desire for you this morning is to have a personal encounter with Jesus. And however that can occur in your life, for you to experience him in a very significant way that will make an impact in your life. And so uh, we want you to turn to Isaiah 9, 6. We're going to look at that. And it's understanding that we serve a real Jesus who makes an impactful, eternal difference in our lives. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's take a moment and join our faith together. And we're going to be focusing this morning on Everlasting Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word. We thank you for this atmosphere in this setting that we can receive truth that can impact our lives. Father, thank you for ministering to each one to bring us into a greater understanding and a revelation of who Jesus is. And help us, Father, to comprehend more and more your incredible love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now just a note, for the next two weeks, we normally meet for Tuesday prayer from 6 to 7. Uh, we will not be having, will not be meeting here for prayer. That doesn't mean you shouldn't pray, okay? But we will not be having the scheduled prayer times uh, the next two Tuesdays, so make note of that. 
Now, again, to give you a little bit of backdrop of this passage we see in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah was writing approximately 750 years before Jesus was born. In fact, some scholars say, um, you know, 740. Others say it could be as many as 800 years. But this period of of history was a very difficult time for the nation of Israel. Uh, The Assyrians were on the march. The people were being taken into captivity. And they were uh, oppressed in many ways. So verse 6 actually gives us a description of the Savior, of Messiah. It's actually a prophetic declaration of who Jesus is and the Messiah that was to come. The child that is born, spoken here, is Jesus, which the scriptures clearly confirm. In fact, in Christianity, we believe conclusively, beyond any reasonable doubt, that is speaking of Jesus Christ here in Isaiah 9-6, the Son of God. This passage describes not only his function, but his role that he would serve. Now, Isaiah's prophecy gave the people at that time a hope that they so desperately needed, that a child would be born to fulfill a covenant promise that God had gave to the nation of Israel, that God would give them a Messiah, a person that would save and deliver them. And so we see that this man, this Messiah, would bear the titles Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now when we think about this, his name shall be called his name shall be called. We, we reference that. What do we call him? What do you call him? There are many names associated with Messiah. There's many names that are associated with our Savior. And the most powerful name that we can call him was revealed to the angel Gabriel when he visited Mary to announce and declare that she would bear the Son of God. And we see that in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, the scripture tells us in Philippians that this name Jesus is above every name that's named. So this is the most significant name that we can identify as our Messiah, as our Savior, as our Deliverer, as the one who will help you to break through every barrier and every obstacle that would try to destroy your life. Now, Focusing on this particular name given in Isaiah 9, 6, Everlasting Father, I want you for a moment to consider an eternal perspective because I believe this name gives us an eternal perspective of the God that we serve. And so many of us do not live this life with an eternal perspective. And what I mean by that is that we need to live this life considering eternity and placing eternal value on what we do and how we live and how we conduct ourselves. So many of us are living for the moment. We're living just to get by, and we're barely making it in many cases. But yet, God wants us to see beyond this limited natural frame of time and see beyond that there's an eternity. And God wants you to live with an eternal perspective, placing value on what you do, Because what you do here will, in fact, impact eternity. And so what are you doing right now that will have an eternal impact? And and so in considering this, eternity is a concept 
that needs to become a dominant focus in our life. And, and it can. It really can. Because, you see, God has an eternal perspective. God has an eternal plan for each of us. And it has to do with a relationship with him through Jesus. And, and see, Jesus, we understand that eternal relationship uh, is like a father to us. And when, when he's addressed here as everlasting father, it's not replacing the role of the heavenly father, but Jesus becomes a father figure in our lives. And in Ecclesiastes 3, 11, it says, God has put eternity into men's hearts. He's placed that eternal concept in your heart. And when you begin to think about it, then there's, there's more that we can come to understand. And a lot of people don't like to think about eternity because they're only living for the here and now. Everlasting Father is not just a name that we call Jesus our Savior. It's actually a descriptive analogy pointing to Jesus Christ's character. He is fatherly. He is fatherlike in his treatment towards us. Okay, that's important to understand. Now, there's a footnote in the English Standard Version of the Bible and it states concerning this passage in Isaiah 9.6. It says, A father here is a benevolent protector, which is the task of the ideal king, and is also the way God cares for his people. This is not using the Tratarian title, Father for Messiah. Rather, it's portraying him as king. And it's important to understand that. And I have three reference points for you this morning. If you're taking notes, feel free to write these down. And basically, it's describing what an everlasting father is. So point number one, as an everlasting father, he cares for us as a loving father. Okay. Now, uh, the father's love is revealed through his son, Jesus. The Father revealed his love through Jesus. And so we need to take notice of his love. You've heard the song. How many of you have heard the children's song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know? How many of you have heard that song? Okay, It's a child song that's sung and celebrate the love of Jesus. So Jesus loves me, this I know. The question is, do you know? Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you have that revelation? Because that's an expression of the Father's love towards you and understanding Jesus' love for you. A Father's love is best revealed in Jesus. We see the story of the prodigal son, a loving father, and a son who ran off doing his own thing, rebelled against his father, and left the household, but he returned. And the Father was there to receive him and accept him. See, Jesus wants you and I to know the Father's love. And see, some of you grew up and and maybe you didn't have the best relationship with your earthly father. Now, there's a concept we need to understand. We often relate to our heavenly father as we do to our earthly father. And if you had a bad relationship or uh, an example from your earthly father, that can give you a wrong concept of the heavenly father. Because it's natural to just associate who God the Father is with who our natural father was. Okay? And and with with myself, you know, I always had a desire 
for my father's, my natural father's love, acceptance, and, and, and just to affirm me as a son. And so there was something inside of me that I wanted to please him, to win his favor and acceptance. And that caused me to be on a, on a kind of track of being performance motivated. But yet I began to realize in life that my dad loved me regardless of how many times I messed up. My dad loved me regardless of how many times I've made mistakes and maybe fell short of his, his standard that he set for me. But yet my love for the Heavenly Father that helped me to understand him and his love for me. Do you understand this concept as I'm, I'm trying to share this and get this across? There's a verse of scripture in 1 John 3, 1. Because in this first point, I believe it's important that we understand the Father's love. Because the Father's love was communicated to us through Jesus and revealed to us through Jesus. In 1 John 3, 1, the Apostle John writes and he says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. See, John wanted people to see and to become aware of the Father's love. Look, comprehend, understand that the Father loves us enough to call us his children. You know, as a, as a parent, you know, having children and now grandchildren, it's hard to describe the love we have for these kids and for these grandkids. I mean, it, it, it's just so strong. It's so powerful. You know, we would sacrifice anything for their well-being. We'd lay our lives down for them because of our love for them. And, and I could spend more time talking about that, but I, but I want to move on here. I, I want to ask you this question. And I think this, this important question for every human being, for every believer in Christ do you have a revelation of the Father's love? Because if you don't, you're going to suffer greatly in your walk with God. You're going to live your life based on doing good works and trying to win God's favor and approval. And you know what? My children never had to work to earn my favor and approval. They already had it because they were my children. But so many times we try to win God's favor and approval and we fail to recognize because of his love for us, we already have it. And when we accept that, that changes how we live our life and our attitude, our demeanor, and, and, and what we do. I, I don't do what I do because if I don't, God's going to get me or he's going to cut me off. I do what I do out of a response of his love for me. The Bible says in also First John, we love him because he first loved us. See, the love that we have for God the Father is only a response of his love towards us. We love him because he first loved us. He initiated that love. See, we don't initiate love towards God. He initiated love towards us. We simply respond to his love for us by accepting him, by believing him, by giving our lives to him. There's a prayer that you can pray, and this is a prayer I would recommend for everyone. Even though you may think, oh, I got a revelation of the love of God. No, guess what? It can, it can be stronger. It can be bigger. It can be better. Your revelation of God's love can grow. 
And we see in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, the Apostle Paul is praying for the Ephesians that they would have a greater revelation or understanding of the love of God. And when I speak of revelation, I'm speaking of something that is not understood to be made known to you, to be revealed to you. When you have a revelation, something then begins to first make sense. You have understanding. You have comprehension. You know, it just makes sense. Okay, you have an understanding of it now. And so God wants you to have an understanding of his love for you so that it makes sense in your life. Ephesians chapter 3, we'll start at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now notice verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Notice what it says, that you being rooted and grounded in love. See, God wants each of us to be rooted and grounded in love, in his love. Verse 18, so that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with the fullness of God. See, the fact of the matter is God wants you to understand the dimensions of his love, the far-reaching dimensions of his love, because when you do, you can be filled up with his fullness. See, that's really God's intent. He wants you to be filled with his love. And when you're filled or full of the love of God, it affects the way you think. It affects what you do. It affects how you treat others. It changes you, and you begin to live out this life that is an example of the very love of God itself, okay? And so there's so much more we could get into with this, but begin to pray that prayer. And I challenge you to pray that prayer that we see in Ephesians chapter 3 that God would begin to open up to you a greater understanding of the love of God and the love of Christ. So you can know the love of Christ. It goes beyond what the intellect can comprehend. See, sometimes it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. You know, I mean, love is that way. It just sometimes doesn't make sense. You know, I can love my wife even if she's not nice to me. But she's nice to me. But sometimes she says, you know, she'll say things like, you know, I've been kind of hard on you lately or something. I said, that's okay. I love you. It doesn't matter. You know, and our commitment isn't shallow. Our commitment is deep. And, and we've made a commitment, and, and I've missed it a few times, but we don't let a day go by in our life that we don't verbalize and express our love toward each, each other. And sometimes it, oh, I'm... I'm in bed, and I look over and said, honey, I love you. I said, I love you too. Unless she's already asleep, you know. <laughs> but love is incredible. It, it's, it's more powerful than hate. Okay, I could get into some other things, but yeah, here. See, we, we can be certain that he has our best interest at heart because of his great love for us. 
His love is so wonderful that we cannot fully understand or comprehend it. In John 16, 27, Jesus is speaking and he declares, For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So when, when the disciples believed in Jesus, it allowed them to experience and encounter the love of God. So point number two, as everlasting father, he is one with the father. Jesus is one with the father. As everlasting father, he is one with the father, okay? Because this reference of everlasting father is attributed to Jesus. But it really speaks and shows his oneness with the father. And because he is one with the father, the father's character is true to Jesus' character as well which the scriptures confirm, Jesus is a a father figure in our lives. In John 10, 30, Jesus stated it himself, I and the father are one. And then in John 14, 8 through 10, Philip, one of the disciples, came to Jesus and he said, "Uh, Jesus, show us the father. Show us the father. And and what what happened? We'll see what happened there. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? So really, if you want to know what the Father is like, what God is like, Look at Jesus, because Jesus is the perfect image of God and the exact representation of his being. We see that in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus alone makes the Father known, okay? No one comes to the Father except through him. We see that in John fourteen six. Everything you've ever dreamed a father could be, everything you wanted from your relationship with your earthly father, Jesus is and will be for you. And it's important to understand that your Messiah, your Messiah Jesus will forever be perfectly father-like in the way he shepherds and leads us. In Jesus, you have a perfect father forever. In Titus chapter 2.13, the scripture, and this is speaking of the future as we wait for the return of Christ. It says, waiting for a blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see here, God and Jesus are referenced as Savior in this scripture. So we see the association, we see the connection, okay? And see, uh, Jesus reveals God's fatherly character to us, for he is one in nature and essence with the Father. Now, sadly, the word father doesn't always bring comfort to people because of maybe a bad relationship that they had with their father. But the word father means one who will affirm, shepherd, stay close. It doesn't mean to be distant, aloof, passive, absent, unreliable, selfish, uncaring, and cruel. And sadly, many people have attributed 
those adjectives to God the Father because they haven't understand or understood the loving Father that is. So, let me give you the third one here. We're going to move on. Now, let me just say this too. Your everlasting Father came into a broken and sinful world through Jesus to fill our hearts with his love and to teach us how to love one another. So point number three, an everlasting father is a provider. As everlasting father, he is our provider. See, a father is a provider, and we we need to come to understand that Jesus is our provider. What does he provide? He provides forgiveness of sins. He provides salvation, healing, deliverance. And he meets our physical needs as well. He provides financial needs, what we need to survive in this world. And in Luke chapter 2.11, the scripture declares, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He provided salvation through his death on the cross, through what he did. In Colossians chapter 1.14, in whom, it says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He provided forgiveness of sins. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, he provides our needs in life. It reads, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So whatever your need is, he is the provider of it. Okay? And so that's something that we need to understand because a lot of people are living in scarcity. They're living in the place where they're in fear, anxiety, because of unmet means in their life. But Jesus is the one who meets every need, whatever that need may be. If, if you have need of healing, if you have need of wisdom, direction, understanding, Jesus will provide that according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every need is met that we could humanly possibly have. And God is glorified in meeting and supplying your needs, both spiritual and physical. As we bring this message to a close, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is being spoken to me through this word today? Ask the Lord the question, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? Just take a moment and and ponder on that because I believe God is speaking to his people today. He's speaking to us. Some of you need answers because you're facing challenges, you're facing difficulties that you don't have the answer for. The Bible tells us in Titus chapter 3, and this speaks of kind of where people come from and, and what God wants to do in their lives. And no matter where you are right now, God wants you to take you to a better place in Him. He wants to meet you at your point of need. In Titus chapter 3, verse 3, it says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, 
led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. That might describe some of us, of how we were and maybe how we still are. It goes on to say, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy. And God's mercy is an expression of his love. It's, it's demonstrating his love. When God shows mercy, he's expressing and demonstrating his love towards us. And God did that through Jesus by sending him to the cross to die in our place for our sins. He took the penalty. He took the blame. He took the punishment that we deserved. And you see, when we celebrate Christmas, we're talking about a birth of a baby. But it's not just any baby. And we can celebrate that. In fact, the world can more easily celebrate the birth of an innocent child into this world. But Jesus didn't stay a baby. He grew up. And he lived his life to serve the purpose of God, which was to seek and to save those that were lost, which included all of us. And his message was a message that was eternal, presenting the love of God and and God's mercy and forgiveness extended. And Jesus, when he went to the cross because a price had to be paid, he paid that penalty for you and for me. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And when he rose again, in victory over death, hell, and the grave, he was able to release to us the gift of eternal life so that we could receive forgiveness of sins, so that we could share in his nature, so that the penalty of our sins could be paid for in full, so that they would, our sins would be put away from us, so they would no longer stand between us and God. It's a miracle of redemption that God was able to save a sinner like me, a sinner like you, so that we could receive God's very righteous nature and be as if we never sinned. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. And maybe you are here today and you say, Pastor, you know, I don't know if I've really made my peace with God. You may believe in God. You may go to church. But really what matters is you to surrender to Jesus and for you to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. That's a personal decision on your part. No one can make that decision for you. Only you can make that for yourself. And when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, acknowledging that he died for your sins and rose from the dead to give you new life, you will be forgiven and you will receive the gift of eternal life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm uncertain that my life is right with God, but I would like to get right with him today. I want you just to slip up your hand and we're going to pray together as a congregation with you to receive Jesus. If there's anyone you say, I want to commit my life to Jesus, 
I want to receive the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you for raising him from the dead to give me eternal life. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Make my life what you want it to be. Transform me from the inside out. Fill me with peace. Fill me with joy. In your name I pray. Amen. Now if you pray that prayer for the first time at the end of the service, we'll have a prayer team up here. And for whatever need you may have, um, you're welcome to come forward for prayer. And we will pray with you and join our faith with you and believe that God will meet you in a significant way. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.